So the real question is, what is the true meaning of the last will be the first? And we will address that uh, as we go along this morning. So how do you become as last the first? Well, you simply have to grow it. Do you know how to become rich? You grow it. Whatever you define richness as, you got to grow it. You can't just keep it there. You have to grow it. You can be financially rich. You could be happily rich, spiritually rich, emotionally rich, physically rich. This is the one that one I want the most. Well, over the weekend, I was rich with a sense of accomplishment. I don't know what you did over the weekend. This is what I did over the weekend. I had to power wash the entire gazebo that's been sitting there for the last 15 some years, and it was never touched it. It's time for me to clean it up. So I took the power wash, cleaned the roof, cleaned the entire uh, the wooden structure down to the bare bones, and then had to repaint it and waterproofing, whatever you guys were doing, watching fireworks, everything, and this is what I was doing. After it was all accomplished, actually it's not done, the top uh, capping and the sort of a sledge rail, the opening in the top still needs to be done. I'm not sure if I want to climb up there to do that, but we still need to do that. But I had this over sense of accomplishment. It felt so rich. Even this morning as I was coming to the church, I took this picture of it and saying, I feel rich, having accomplished something. What is rich by definition? Is of having something abundantly. So what do you have that's something abundantly? A country can be a poor economically, but rich with its culture, like Mexico and India. There are just so much culture in there. The country can be poor, but they are rich. They could be rich with the diversity of plants and wildlife. When I went to visit Puerto Rico a couple of times many years ago, the plants, it's the flowers, just totally amazing. It's things that you have never seen in our states. No wonder all the medicine that we take, all of you take a medicine, a lot of those ingredients comes from Puerto Rico, the plants. A country can be poor economically, but they could be rich with the historical depth, like Egypt. They're just rich with historical depth. So what do you have or what do you desire to have abundantly that you can define as I am rich? Well, survey says, well, I just made it up. Young people want to have lots of friends. Did you know that? Sometimes they seem like they value friends over their parents. I've experienced it with my daughters. Are gone. You see that? You know, they value their friends. When they have a lot of friends, they feel rich. Adults, they feel rich when they feel they belong to a society, either with the promotions, with the positions, 
or simply acknowledgments. And when they become midlife, they feel they are rich if they made it, even with the money. The funny thing is, as we grow older, something changes. Whether we admit it or not, we look for the true meaning of life, true purpose in life. And we all know that that's the ultimate destination that we are all striving for. Today, more and more people are defining the richness with whatever makes them happy. That's perhaps no one is in pers- being persecuted like in all the old days or no one is really hungry. People define richness with the happiness. They include ideas. I am full of ideas. I got talents. I, it's all about love. That sounds like my generation too. Not just the millennials, <laughs> the hippie generations. It was all about peace and love, as you may remember. And the young people today, even the older people today, they're really seeking the purpose in life. Now, if you have any of those things above, you're rich. You don't need to worry. You have hope and you have a potential. You know why? Because if you are talented with the singing, for example, and if you don't have any money, people will take you places because they want to be around you. Did you know that? It's just that I don't sing that well, you know. When my daughter never asked me to go to karaoke with me, with her. But, you know, if you're good at it, I'm sure I would have been invited many times. If you're humorous, if you're a harmonizer, but have no financial means, people will want to have you around. They will want to take you places because they want to be with you. Because a lot of people are seeking the happiness, seeking the richness through those things. Know that. You need to know this. That people of rich with finance, often they desire richness that they do not have. That's their secret. If you really want to get to them, they desire the richness that they don't have, perhaps that you have. So we're on this series on the growing in grace. The idea in this series of growing in grace is that not to be complacent with whatever gifts and talents, ideas, or even with money. you got to grow it. Most often, one of the best ways to grow in grace is when we fulfill the great commandment. Love your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. That's what it all really comes down to. When we were poor, our desire is money because we need money for 
livelihood. And when we have a means of livelihood, our desire shifts to growing into fulfilling the meaning of life. And as we seek for the meaning of life, two desires arise and they conflict. One is to have fun. The other one is to serve. You either seek to have fun or you seek to serve. It really comes down those two. And you can, under this predicament, you can think about, look at your friends and say, where is this person at? Is this person is always looking to have fun or is this person always looking to serve not oneself but others? If you keep your money, it may grow in interest, but not grow in higher purpose. Downside of that is that you may not be growing in your richness with those who are around you. I know you know this to be true. If you keep your talent and not share, you may be instead growing in pride. I am better. I can do that better. Your talent is only as good as you use it to lift others up. If you keep loving your God to yourself, you may think that you're growing in faith, but you may be growing in self-righteousness. You may become above others, or you may think that you're above others, but you're not really growing in the richness that God is describing. So God has a message for us, that is, we must grow in grace. That is the ultimate richness. As much as we appreciate money, we all know that happiness is better than money. I know for sure health is better than money. Emotional stability is better than money. Then grace is better than anything else that we can describe. And growing in that grace is far supreme. How supreme? The Bible says, get that at all costs. Get that wisdom. That growing grace is supreme at all costs. Trade in with whatever you have. Get that. Proverbs 4, 7. Wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. Though it costs all you have, get that wisdom. Sell all your stuff if you have to. At all costs, get that wisdom. Then you'll gain everything. You'll get the help. You'll get the happiness. you get everything is what I was really trying to say. Let's shift a bit. There was a rich man who was seeking for the meaning of life. Because remember what I said, so? Rich people always looking for in richness that they don't have. They do. They really do. So he defined the meaning of life 
with that of having eternal life. He knows he can't get it. So he wants that eternal life. So he asked a wise teacher, how could he earn the right to eternal life? So this wise man told him this, I'll tell you how to get there. But even before you can do that, there is a precondition. Without satisfying this precondition, anything you do will be meaningless. So all of a sudden, this man was curious as to what that precondition was. Well, let's see how Scripture unfolds this story about rich man and the lesson behind it about the essence of grace and how to grow that grace. It begins like this in Mark chapter 10, verse 17 and 18. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, this man knew Jesus was a good teacher. But what is clear in the Bible is he did not know Jesus as a divine nature of God. But the fact that he kneeled before Jesus tells that he respects Jesus a lot. There's something about Jesus. Perhaps he has answer, a way to have the richness that he desires, which is to have eternal life. So therefore, he was seeking him. Yes, he was rich. He had everything. What he wanted was something that money couldn't buy. So Jesus, instead of answering man, he begins to question him directly, kind of picks on the man's understanding of who God is. And that's a really Jesus' way. Jesus loved to answer by asking the asking question. So Jesus, before answering which man's question, he asked this man, Why do you call me good? That kind of strange, isn't it? We use good all the time. But in this case, it means something very, very special. Why do you call me good? And Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. First, Jesus is saying, don't go around and say good to anybody. Good means something special. The Bible says God is love. God is good. God is so good, right? That's where it comes from. God is so good. So you can't just call anybody good. Only God is good. What is he trying to say? He's, what he's trying to say is that Jesus leaning or leading this rich man to what? Pre, that precondition they were talking about. You've got to understand this before I can go to the next step. I'm not just going to give you how to get eternal life without understanding or accepting this precondition. 
What Jesus really was saying to the listener was this. You are right indeed. I am good because I am the one with God. Or he's saying, you're right that I am good because I am God. But Jesus, at this time of his ministry, he didn't, he didn't go around saying, I'm your Savior, I'm the King of Kings, I'm the Son of God. He didn't go around and say those things. He used parables. He used stories. He implied for people to understand. So he was doing the same thing. So what is this precondition? You must accept me as God before you can inherit the eternal life. That's the precondition. That's the grace we know it today. Jesus saying further to this to this man, I know you are economically rich, but you can be even more, more rich, maybe a hundred times more rich, if you accept me as good as God. Then you will be able to inherit the kingdom of God. Then what is interesting is uh, beginning of verse 19, Jesus goes into this discussion with this uh, so-called rich man from his perspective. Instead of imposing his precondition onto rich man, Jesus goes into the brain of that rich man and begins to discuss. So verse 19, Jesus said, you know the Ten the Commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. What is this? This is what? What is it? This is the law of Moses. We respect, we honor the Ten Commandments, the law of Moses, yet we all know that the law of Moses does not have the power to overcome the flesh, the forgiveness of sins. We know that. So why is this, why is Jesus bringing this one up? Because he's leading this rich man to grace, leading to that precondition for him to inherit the eternal life. Now, verse 20 says, teacher, he's so confident. He declares, all this I have kept since I was born. Whoa. How many people can raise your hand and can do the same thing? Now, maybe uh, maybe uh, you didn't kill anybody. Adultery, not stealing, not giving false testimony, not honoring father and mother. We all fall short. Technically, we murder a lot of people. Whether you physically murder, you murder with your thoughts, say the same, same thing, I say. But this guy, even though he was rich, he's an honorable man. That he has adhered to all those Ten Commandments. It's amazing. But what is interesting is this. As to why Jesus brought this one up. It's because this rich man's response was basically the same as the belief of who? Pharisees of that time. Because that's all he knew. We can't fault him. 
He grew up in a synagogue there. They're teaching basically, just follow, listen to the law of Moses, and you'll be all set kind of thing. So Jesus basically said, oh, yeah, you did all that. That's great. If you did all that, you know what? There's more to it than just that. You've got to do more. In verse 21, Jesus looked at him. This is very interesting. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Jesus was not scorning this man. He was just simply loving him and said, hey, son, or hey, rich man, one thing you lack. I'm glad you're doing all that, but there's one thing that you lack. He said, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. I know something is going through your head right now that kind of conflicts with the, uh, the principle of grace, but we'll get there. Jesus is saying that if you believe in the law, then go and fulfill everything in this book. Including, of course, loving others as yourself. How? By selling everything you've got and give it away. Remember, Jesus was in this rich man's brain. He was trying to process how this man will process. But as you know, this rich man, even though he claims that he'd been doing this since he was a boy, one aspect of the great commandment, he could not even sell his stuff and give it to the poor. Verse 22, at this man's face fell, and he went away sad because he had great wealth. So that's end of that. It basically means you cannot buy the grace. That's what Jesus was saying. You cannot buy the grace. You cannot have an eternal life. Simplified pain with your great wealth. So let's stop and, and, and for a moment and look this in the further. Now look at Jesus' perspective. Now, it sounded like Jesus saying that you can have eternal life if you sell everything. It's like that you can buy the grace. Is this gospel? It's not. Of course it's not. You and I know the gospel is not for sale. You cannot earn or pay to get to the heaven. Then why did Jesus tell the man to sell everything? As in buying your way to the kingdom of heaven. Basically, Jesus is saying that there is nothing in the law of Moses that's going to give you a free ticket to eternal life. His precondition simply is you need to know who I am. And if you accept that I am good, then you must believe that I am God who can give you the eternal life. 
That's the precondition. The selling part is not the requirement that the people of, at that time thought it was. Selling is not part of the requirement, although the selling, everything, and giving to the others can be part of what? Growing in grace. Satisfying, fulfilling the great command. So what is the lesson in this? When Jesus was having this discussion with this rich man, Jesus is very aware as to who were listening to this conversation. Who were there? Disciples. There were crowds. And of course, there were Pharisees. All standing and listening to this conversation. So his message, his discussion was not just with this rich man. His conversation with rich man, we saw that all the people who are standing can listen to this. He was simply informing the listener, not just to the rich man, about the importance of knowing who Jesus is. Now, here's the teaching moment. And Jesus is very good with the timing and teaching moments, or using that defining moment. So when this rich man fell short and sad and went away, then Jesus did not stop right there. Then he looked at who? The people around, the crowds, the, the, the Pharisees and disciples. He's saying, you can try all you can with the law, but not quite. It will be impossible, meaning no chance whatsoever. Verse 23 and 24. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? 24. The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. And Jesus answers, It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. What is the meaning of this? The entering, that entering the kingdom of God is not just hard, it's impossible. 100%, 1000%, impossible. And there is no way. You cannot buy your way into eternal life. But there is only one way, that is through him, believing that Jesus is God and the Savior. So here it is, 26. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Now you need to understand at this point, remember this is just the chapter 10 of Mark. It's sort of like in the beginning of ministry. The disciples were following because disciples were doing, saw Jesus doing some amazing things. They begin to follow him, but they didn't have really idea as to who really Jesus was. 27, Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, thousand percent impossible, but not with God, and all things are possible with God. And 28, Peter said to him, we have left everything to follow 
you. Remember, again, Peter and the disciple were following Jesus, not really understanding who Jesus was, just like that rich man. 29. I tell you the truth. Here comes the truth. Here's the real deal. Jesus saying, I'll tell you the truth. Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or feels for me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age and in the ages to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. What is Jesus saying? First, the gospel, believing in the Son of God, is a precondition to what is to come. And if you sacrifice your home, your uh, brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers, for the sake of gospel, if you sacrifice, you will receive favor. That is hundredfold now and not just in eternal life, even now. Because sacrificing its act of growing in grace. And this passage about the rich man's illustration of needing to sell everything for others is very consistent with Jesus summing up the entire book of law and prophecies to love others as yourself. So conclusion of today's message on this series on growing in grace is this. Sacrifice your talents, ideas, wealth for others. For the reward is both here and now and in heaven. That reward is the promise of God. And that reward is the evidence. The fact that you're receiving reward from God is evidence that you are growing in grace. And I love the last statement, last verse. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. When I was young, I always ponder wonder about this particular Bible verse. Because I totally understood the meaning of a grace. There is no first and there is no last. When you receive grace, we all go to heaven. We all know that. But I did not understood the meaning of that how that first will become last and the last will become first. I just didn't get it. Isn't there sort of like discrimination between whatever? It's just, I, didn't, I had a trouble understanding this. Whether you were received grace 20 years ago, 40 years ago, whether you received grace yesterday, isn't that the same thing? We all 
get to inherit the kingdom of God? Is that correct? The answer should be yes. But what is the difference? What this verse is telling us is this. The first one was not growing in grace. The last one is growing in grace. Do you now understand the difference? We both, but we both, the both, the first one and the last one, those have earned, not so much earned, have been gifted to go to heaven. But Bible, throughout our series, growing in grace, just as important as receiving grace. Just as we do with our talents, our ideas, even with our money. Everybody knows what to do with the money. We don't bury it on, in the ground. We put it in the bank. We invest so it can grow. With the talents, musicians, they practice every day to grow. Ideas, inventors, they keep on inventing. They grow. How is it that when we receive grace, we bury it and say, I got my ticket, I don't have to worry about it. That's the attitude we've been taking. God says, nah, then you will be lost. It doesn't matter whether you got it grace 10 years ago or 50 years ago or even yesterday. What it matters is are you really growing in grace? Are you making an effort to grow in grace? The last one who also received the grace is the one who is Growing in grace. And the last one is to be praised. That's the message of today's topic on the growing in grace.